Good morning, guys. It's uh, great to be with you. Shall we just pray for a moment for the Yemen, just as we get started? Father God, I thank you that you are the God who rescues. I thank you that you are the one who steps into chaos, that steps into poverty, that steps into brokenness, and you're the one who makes whole. And so, God, we ask you today to move in the Yemen, move by your grace, cause there to be provision, cause there to be healing, cause there to be protection and safety for the vulnerable. But move, Lord God, I pray, through your community, through your church, let there be salvation, that as their souls become well, so too will their health be glorified in that nation, move the nations to act on their behalf for the glory of your son. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, that's, uh, it's been great to, you know, just be focused in on Jesus and who he is and the testimonies at the beginning of, uh, of this morning's meeting, just proclaim his glory, proclaim his goodness and his effect in the world. There isn't this redundant philosophy. There isn't just a whole load of ideas or theology or concepts, right? He's alive, he's living, he's vibrant. He operates in us and amongst us. And because of that, it is exciting to follow him. It is exciting to walk in this walk, to follow his footsteps, to be, as we looked last week, walking in those things that he had planned before for us to do. We are his workmanship. He molds us and forms us. He is making us like his son. And it is a great joy to hear the testimony of what God is doing in us because that testimony itself becomes a proclamation of the work of Christ and what he wants to do more. He wants to do so much more. And as he taught the disciples about the feeding of the 5,000 and there being 12 baskets left over, and he teaches them about the 4,000, there being seven baskets left over, you know, it's, it's this whole principle of the more, the increase of God. And and your, your picture for Super Gang today is so, so apposite. It's so right for the moment. It's speaking into the now, which is in the unlikely circumstances that we find ourselves in. God is going to move and bring in a harvest. He is going to bring in a harvest. We're going to look at our context and go, this is unnatural. This doesn't make sense. And he's going to bring in the harvest through each of us. Our family is going to be enlarged. He is going to grow his community. There is no doubt about that. So let's be seeking God. How can I share your love? For those of us that were on that call yesterday with Mike Pilavachi, you know, everything rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in relationship with the King of Kings. And from there floats the kingdom of God. And so it's so exciting to see what God's going to be doing with us and through us. Now, I'm going to uh, read from Ephesians 
and we're going to dive into the next section, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. <clears throat> and as I do so, I'm just going to share screen momentarily. And we're going to dive into the next bit of our sit, walk, stand series. And we're still in the sit, we're still in the seated position and we're understanding what is it that God's done for us? How has he positioned us? What is our, our permanent position without effort on our, our behalf? Where are we now seated? What does it look like? So let me read through from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles, people other than the Jews, in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So here we have the Jews calling them the uncircumcised, and that points to us, all of us who aren't Jews, being outside of the promises, outside of the covenant of Israel with God being called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in flesh by hands. Here Paul is alluding to the fact that actually circumcision is just a thing of the hands. It doesn't affect the spirit. It doesn't affect the soul. It's just something that was done in the flesh. And he says at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of God's promise of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both the jew and the gentile one and has broken down the dividing wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments that is contained in the ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity the hostility between Jew and Gentile but also the hostility between God and man and he came and preached peace to those who were afar off and those who were near, those like us who were outside the covenant promises, but also those who were near in the temple, getting up close with their religious rites and rules. He has now preached peace to both. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles 
and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, the the stone that sets everything in place by which everything else is measured, the stone that makes sure what is true, what is right, what is accurate, that the church is being built upon. Verse 21, in whom the whole building being built and fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. There's a beautiful picture here, if you're able to see the PowerPoint of where we were. We were without Christ. We were without God. We were without promises. We had no hope. We were far off. We were strangers. We had the law to overcome, both in the in the prescribed ordinances of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, but also the moral law of the kingdom of God, the the royal law that you love the Lord God, your heart with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and all your being above all else. That was a barrier to us. We were separated both physically and we also had enmity and hostility between us and the people of God because of all of that. But look where we've been brought by Christ. We are now in him. We are in himself. We are reconciled to God, put on the right side of the justice scales, balanced and being made to be pure and righteous before our living God. We become the dwelling place of God in the spirit. This is incredible. Where once God dwelt in the holy of holies, he's now dwelling in us, in you, the dwelling place of God. And you've become members of his household and he has brought you peace. He's brought you near and intimate. And we are, whatever our background, whatever our culture, whatever our nationality, now one body, fellow citizens in God, no longer separated by anything else. He's abolished all of that in his flesh and has brought us close. And we now have access to the king of kings the lord of lords and that's where he is we've brought been brought near now what's this this is a stone that is from the wall of the precinct around the inner courtyard of the temple in jerusalem and on it is inscribed in greek if you go beyond this wall, if you a Gentile go beyond this wall, basically the result of death will be on your own head. You are not allowed to come any closer. And that's what it's that's what's written on it. We also have this picture in Acts 21 where they believe in the in in the um, in the precinct that Paul has brought Trophimus, the Ephesian, into the inner court. And they start shouting and they start causing a riot, saying, Paul's brought a Gentile into the innermost court. This is sacrilege. This is outrageous. Help, help, help us get hold of this guy so we can stone them. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Yes, you've seen me walking around with Trophimus, but I haven't brought him into the inner court. You get a sense of the, the hostility, the, the barrier to us because we're non-Jews. Get out, stay out. One who was broken on the cross, the one who was slain becomes the slayer. He becomes the destroyer. He's the one who breaks down the wall. 
He himself says, doesn't he, in Luke twice, he said, the walls of this temple, not one will be left on top of the other. They will be broken down. But when you destroy this temple, talking of his body, I'll rebuild it in three days. And this is what he's done. And so what I want you to do is I want to take your hand and I want you to knock on a hard surface if you've got one in front of me. It's that real. That rock, that stone that sits in a museum in Istanbul is an absolute reference to the prophecy of Jesus Christ, that the temple will be destroyed and not one stone will stand on another. In 70 AD, the temple is destroyed. It is completely flattened. The emperor of the day was not having any more of the four-year uh, revolution and re revolt by the Jews. And so when Paul's writing this to the church in Ephesus, what he's saying is in 67, 61 to 67 AD, that wall still stands in Jerusalem. But you know what? It no longer means a thing. Because in the body of Christ, it's been destroyed. And then in 70 AD, the prophecy of Jesus comes true and the whole temple is destroyed. And yet the temple of the body of Christ, both himself raising his own body back into victory. I will rebuild. I will create my body again. And the church, this one man in Christ, Jew and Gentile, all together now testifies to the work of Christ on the cross across the world. It's as real as banging on a hard surface. And this is the truth. This is what we share in together. He destroyed the law that separated us. Paul talks about the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. It's the ritual and ceremonial law. He destroyed all of that. That's dealt with. And he also deals with the moral law, obligation of the moral law that creates in us this penalty. Because as Paul says, doesn't he? He says that the wages of sin, of offence against God is death. And Jesus takes that on. And now we are free. Now we are at liberty, both to draw near and also draw near to God. There's a beautiful person there in this diversity and unity together as the body of Christ. He breaks down the barriers. Paul writes in Colossians to the church and talks about the old life. And he says, now you've put off the old man with his deeds and you put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. Christ is in all. He is all and in all. And this is the, the, the pulsating heartbeat of the church, where his spirit manifests in each one of us, shows that he is Lord and Saviour of all. He writes in Galatians, doesn't he? There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. He breaks down the divisions, the dividing walls, the societal context. He destroys it. He says, no, you are one in Christ Jesus. You have equal access to the Father. You are in me. And this is the refrain that follows throughout this whole passage that 
we are in Christ, that he is building us up. Now, let's think about the temple, that we are the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. This is God's promise to Solomon of the dedication of the temple. And he says this, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever and my eye and my heart be there, will be there perpetually. Just take a moment. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You are the dwelling place of God. You, the church. His eyes are on you. His heart is in you, is for you. He is there perpetually. It's this idea of constant, not once off and parked. Constant, constant. My eyes are constantly on you. My heart is there for you perpetually. It's not a one-off statement like at marriage. We say, I love you, and then walk on and never say it again. He's like, no, my overtures towards you, my eyes and my heart will be there in my temple, in my dwelling place perpetually. This is his heartbeat for the church. He dwells in us. His eyes are on us and his heart is there perpetually. Just take a moment just to receive that, to recognise that God is for you. His eyes are on you, that he notices you. He notices your circumstance. He's aware of you. And that his heart dwells in you and is for you. It's an amazing picture of us being the dwelling place of God, the temple where he dwells in us by his spirit. And of course, all this is because of Christ. You see, Jesus is preeminent. He is first. He's above everything else. And he's first in universal government. He's the image of the, you know, he's the visible image of the invisible God. He's the agent of creation. He's the sustainer of all things. And he's the head of the church. He is glorious. He's above all of that. And we are in him. He's preeminent in reconciliation. He's first in it. Because he pleases the father in obedience and he reconciles us through his death. And he lives in us as our hope and our glory. It's his spirit that lives in us. He is first. Christ is first in wisdom and knowledge. He's the source of all the treasures of all that there is to be known. Of all there is to be experienced. He's the source of all of that. And worldly philosophy and wisdom just does not conform to him. His ways are higher. His compassion greater. His mercies are incredible. His grace overflows. As we live this life, he is our life. He's our source. He's our power and our authority. And he enables us to avoid wrong living, but cause us to overflow in blessing. 
And as we live in our devotional life, as we seek to follow him, we're alive in him. His spirit lives in us, a dynamic interplay between our spirit and his. So there's no need for legalism and ritualism. He's dealt with that and put it away. That's all gone. We are free. We are free indeed to have access, to come close, to know him without rules and obligations, empowered by his spirit. So I'm going to finish there. And I hope that's given you a flavour of what Paul is talking about, the liberty and the freedom that we have. I'll just put up the slide here that you can take a photo of for your groups, for your group leaders, so that you can go through and explore together what this passage is opening up for us. Bless you as you do that. I hope you have a really great afternoon and week together and you enjoy exploring who you now find yourself to be with the eyes and the heart of God perpetually on you as you seek to serve him and love him throughout the week. Bless you. See you soon.